and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. It's our Southridge member podcast. And uh, we've got a special guest today, uh, a good friend of Southridge's and someone who's actually uh, preached at our church before in uh, some of our It Takes a Village series. A uh, friend of mine from Kelowna, BC, named Tim Schroeder. Tim, say hi to everybody. Hey, it's good to greet you folks at uh, Southridge. Uh, Tim, for those of us who haven't met you yet, just walk us through a little bit of your background, family dynamics, things like that, so that we can get to know you a little bit. Yeah, you bet. It, it's just it's just Arlene and me at home these days, uh, Jeff. And I got to tell you, it's a great stage of life. Uh, we've got two growing children. Uh, our daughter, Lindsay, is part of an instructional leadership team for the school district, and she's just you know, passionate about education. She's got a great partner who's a pharmacist, and uh, he's got two young boys who we're loving getting to know. And then our son, Travis, and his wife are both physicians, and they've moved from your neck of the woods uh, back here to Cranbrook, B.C. Uh, they've given us a grandson uh, who, of course, is the cutest, smartest kid in the world. Uh, baby number two's on the way. And, uh, of course, there's their 90-pound German shepherd appropriately named Deacon. So that's our... <laughs> our family. And I, I don't want to forget ever uh, just commenting on my dad. Two weeks ago, we celebrated his 99th birthday. So, you know, all that's going on around us with pandemic and everything else, uh, we're, we're in a really good season, great family, enjoying it immensely. Um, for those who are listening that don't know some of the background, uh, Tim, you and I met uh, kind of years ago through what was formerly called the Willow Creek Association, now called the Global Leadership Network. And for a number of years, uh, Tim was the senior and then teaching pastor at Trinity Baptist Church in Kelowna. But we were talking just before we hit record on uh, your retirement. Talk about the timing of that, because that was good for a laugh. Oh, it's more than a laugh. I, I got to say, both Arlene and I retired from our first careers literally two weeks before COVID hit Canada. I mean, it's just impeccable timing. Perfect uh, time to quit your job. <laughs> perfect time to quit. Ar Arlene's a registered nurse. She'd worked for 43 years. Uh, you know, I was a pastor in lead and teaching roles for 41 years. And and we'd come to the conclusion, hey, this is a great time for us to lean into a whole new era of life. We made that decision and bang, along came COVID. More visionary than you thought you were. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, now, you talked about first careers. Uh, walk us through a little bit of what you guys are up to these days. Yeah, um, Arlene almost immediately uh, returned back to the front line of, of nursing just on a, on a casual basis. Uh, but she had been in management before. She was the, the head nurse of the gastrointestinal department in the hospital. But she's given all that up and just does patient care back in that same department and loves it. You know, none of the stress of leadership, just taking care of patients. So she's come back. She works one or two days a week there. And then I engaged in something which, uh, I mean, you know me, Jeff, th this has been a parallel career for me almost my whole life. I've been part of the RCMP family for more than 30 years uh, as an auxiliary constable and as a chaplain. 
So when I retired from the church, I just rolled over very naturally into police chaplaincy at, at a higher level. And like, who knew that I would significantly up my game as a police chaplain precisely at the time of the most anti-police era in Canadian history? So it's been really an interesting dynamic for us. I bet. And I want to talk about that in a, in a few minutes. Um, let's dive in, first of all, and just get a little bit of your take on the pandemic itself. Uh, you know, we're joking about how you, you kind of checked out of uh, formal local church ministry, but talk from your perspective on the West Coast. Like, do you remember when it first hit? What was happening in your life? You know, how did things kind of unfold in the in the early weeks, at least for the church on the West Coast? Oh, man, like personally, we remember it vividly because there we were like two weeks into retirement and we would just sit and look at each other and say, like, can you, can you believe it? All this is happening around us and we're not responsible for leading the charge. It, it was a very, very memorable, you know, moment. Uh, churches, I mean, we've been, you know, deeply involved in church life our, you know, our whole lives. And uh, as I looked around at the church in our area, I think like everywhere else, there was a whole, just a vast spectrum of responses. And, and I think the first one, and I think everybody, I, I'd be interested if you would share this feeling. The first thing that happened when COVID hit was just outright disbelief. I, I don't think any of us ever imagined a time where we would not be allowed to meet for worship. And it just sort of came right out of the blue and was sheer disbelief going on. And uh, then, you know, the the initiators and the early adopters, the more progressive churches, which always are, a you know, sort of a nucleus, immediately shifted into, uh, you know, okay, now what, let's, let's get creative, let's deal with this. And so they put higher emphasis on online services. Most of those churches were already involved in that. But, you know, I think, I think most of them assumed we might be in that mode for a month or so. Uh, nobody thought it would go like it has, but they got going. And then almost immediately, you know, as those churches will, took the, you know, the approach. So how are we going to serve our community? These are hard times. So they got creative, put out all kinds of unique serving ventures. And the online services, I think, did quite well. Um, but there was also the flip side. And... Uh, while some churches were serving being creative, I guess this shouldn't be a surprise, there were a whole bunch of churches whose initial response, and I think if I'm honest, their continued response, they just went into complaint mode. Uh, in fact, I don't think they entered it. They were already living there, but now they had something to blame for the fact things weren't going right. And just complaining about what they couldn't do became their identity. So I think we had the whole spectrum going on here. Uh part of our friendship has been kind of a national purview. And uh, I'd be curious if that perspective that you saw play out locally in kind of the Okanagan, Okanagan Valley area, uh, you also saw nationally with other friends or, or pastor connects. Did you see the same thing sort of play out coast to coast? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you and I tended to associate most of the time with the more leading edge churches anyway, and I was so impressed. Uh, Jeff, I actually, I, I don't know if this is a fair analogy. We, we don't like doing this, but I didn't see much difference in how progressive churches operated and how businesses navigated this time. I mean, some would just 
shut down and defeat, complaining, but others restructured. Yeah, like, man, here in Kelowna, we had distilleries that immediately shifted from producing whiskey to hand sanitizer. You know, they, they said, okay, here's the challenge. Here's what we're going to do. And like, I saw that going on in, in churches, you know, all over the place. And then there were those who, you know, who didn't. And I don't know, Arlene sometimes tells me that uh, I should keep my inside voice to the inside. But <laughs> on some of these churches and businesses, quite frankly, that are just complaining and are sort of defeated and saying, well, this is going to kill us. We're going to have to shut down. And I'm saying, I'm not sure that's a bad thing. Uh, I think some maybe <laughs> ought to close up and this might just be what does it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, want this conversation to take uh, for some maybe a surprising twist because where you and I have a lot of ways been friends and, and colleagues, and I know for years you've you've been a, a good mentor to me and to other leaders around Southridge from a ministry perspective. Sometime during the pandemic, um, you actually started checking out our online services. Can you remember back to that experience and just talk about how that started? Yeah, absolutely, I can. Uh, you know, one th one thing that the pandemic offered, and especially to people like Arlene and, and myself, who, you know, now, now we're free, we're sort of newly retired. What it offered was a freedom from how we'd always done things. And so since everything was being done online, there was zero limitation as to who we could follow. Like, like literally the whole world was available. So, you know, in those early days, Arlene and I, we would track with two or three or four different online services on a weekend. And uh, it, it literally wasn't uncommon. We'd, we'd watch one service and click on the next hour to a different service. And uh, so over time, we just started very slowly and consistently finding affinity uh, with what was going on at Southridge. And of course, we knew you, we knew Mike. And so we had a bit of a head start, but it became more than that. And we started looking forward to those, you know, connection videos and starting to recognize people from the congregation and engaging with some of the spiritual practices. And so it was just a growing affinity that started by having the freedom to do so. It was so funny from my perspective, because our, our family's in our basement taking in the, the service at the premier time at 10 a.m. our time. And I'm getting real-time texts from you during the service thinking, this is 7 a.m. On the, on the West Coast. This is 7 a.m. where you live. Um, even you know, to talk about the routine uh, of you know, getting up, taking in the service, and what you guys would do to debrief the conversation after. Yeah, well, you, you, at 7 o'clock in the morning, like we weren't, we, we don't have on our Sunday best. So it, it's pull on a pair of sweats. And this, the service starts every week with a cup of coffee and a bowl of Cheerios. <laughs> and, and away we go. And then uh, we watch and, and, and enjoy and participate. And then as soon as it's over, which is eight o'clock here, uh, we go jump in the hot tub and we, we debrief the service in the hot tub. Oftentimes, while well, I'm texting with you about something that was said or done in the service, and so I, I just want to put you on notice. If I, if I happen to drop that phone in the hot tub on a Sunday morning, uh, Southridge's getting the bill. <laughs> <laughs> that's been that's been the comedy of all this is knowing, oh, you guys are having, you know, when we post the conversation starters on the screen at the end of the service, Tim and Arlene are in the hot tub having a conversation about this on the West Coast. So. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. 
hey, knowing that you were already familiar with our church and frankly, super familiar with church period, what would you, what would you say that God was doing in the two of you through those early experiences and through that affinity with the online service that, that we were providing? Well, there's, a, there's several things, Jeff. Um, one, and this is one of the things that I appreciated, I think, the most about the Southridge experience is, you know, the teaching. I expected the teaching to be good, and, and there was no surprise there. It's, it's so good and so solid. But the way your, I don't know if, what Southridge actually refers to them as, as your service hosts, the people who lead in the, the, the spiritual direction, um, Mandy and, and, you know, the team around her, it was so natural and authentic. And that I found a very refreshing and be very convicting for us and me to move towards just taking that very natural tone, uh, just a very natural way of describing our faith, not churchy language. So we found that and that started doing some some work in our lives. The next thing that happened now that we're, we're sitting, we're watching this sort of in isolation, uh, like we're smart enough to know that the Christian life isn't in isolation, it's in community. So we put together a small group uh, and we meet every Monday night with, we call it our spiritual encouragement group with two other couples. Uh, we rotate leadership through that because I made it clear I didn't want to be the pastor of the group. I'm just, I'm just a participant. And so every one of the six submits a question or discussion comment every week. And then the one person leads us through it. And we in very intensely go after what the teaching has to say to us and what it means to us. And so um, that's been a that's been a real big part of it for us, not just watching this alone, but actually taking a journey with some others. Yeah, that you actually brought in some friends of yours who now also take in the service at you know, different times, whether they do the premiere or not. But then on the Monday night, together, debrief in your own kind of self-developed conversation starters, debrief the Southridge online services three time zones away. Yeah. And, and certainly some of the very specific applications, which are location specific to you are a little different here. And so we do the translation and say like, you know, okay, that's what they're wrestling with there. What does that look like here in Kelowna? And uh, it's been, you know, and that what this has taught us, Jeff, I mean, man, I wish I was 20 years old and, and had some of this, you know, at this stage. We're learning that church can be so liberating and freeing. We don't have to do church the way we always used to do it. And like you said, like, here we are, we're in the hot tub or we're with a group on something that we've seen online, and it's having real-time impact in our spiritual journey. What would you say the impact's been on your friends? Because uh, you know I don't know them as well. They're probably not as familiar with Southridge, or uh, you know even with church leadership necessarily. Certainly not as familiar as you would have been. Um, how are they tracking, and what what's God been doing in them as of late? Oh, I I think the fact that what is being taught on the weekend is now being put right down into on the kitchen table and saying, what does this have to do with how I, you know, manage my business this week? What, what does this have to do in my life as I parent, you know, my kids? And so they're tracking on a very practical, tangible, you know, real life level. 
Has there been, uh, through the various uh, mornings and series that y you and your, your friends have tracked through, has there been a, a highlight that you can think back to, a highlight morning or a highlight series where you just had riveting conversation as a group? Oh, gosh. Um, there has. And now I'm, I'm, I'm going to scramble a little bit. I, I, think, I think to a person, the renewed emphasis of the, the series based on Exodus being a forward look to what Jesus has done in our lives and interpreting it through that lens. Uh, I think we had some of our richest conversation around that topic. Hmm. Oh, that's cool. Um, part of our conversation, Tim, has gone even deeper knowing that your experience of our online service hasn't just affected what your Sunday mornings look like, but it started to kind of reinvigorate faith and you know, even your perspective or, 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 or your, your energy towards the church. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? How, how your experience tracking along with us has been a spiritual encouragement to you and to you and Arlene? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and this is a, this is a biggie, Jeff, that we might take, uh, you know, a few minutes with and take in a couple different directions. Um, but starting mid-fall, I, I became, I started getting convinced that a key growth area in my own life could be described, I think, by a single word, and that word would be lenses. And uh, I mean, you know this, everybody does. We all have lenses. If Man, if you, if you and I watch a hockey game together, you wearing your Leafs jersey and me and my Oilers colors, and the referee makes a call we're, we're going to respond very differently. And it's fascinating because it's the same referee was the same incident and it's the same call. And yet you'll view it through your blue and white lenses and I'll view it through God's lenses <laughs> and through Connor McDavid's lenses. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you know what? I, I'm only partially joking when I say that because part of my learning is that, that it's, it was natural for me. And I think it's natural for all of us to assume that my lenses are the right lens. And that my lenses are, you know, sort of the way God sees things. But I really, as as teaching went on week by week, and as I'm just growing in my own own life, I started getting nudged on that. And uh, you know, by by the time January hit, this isn't really a New Year's resolution, but I I do, you know, I'm the kind of person that sets out. Okay, what do I want to work on? What do I want to learn? Uh, for me, this year is about a growing awareness of what my lenses are. I, I'm not yet at the point of saying I need to change those lenses. I just want to be aware that, I, that I'm that i bringing those lenses to the table. And so a, a pretty regular prayer for me would, would say, you know, Lord, you know, have your spirit give me a poke in the ribs every time I am blind to what lenses I'm looking through. Hmm. Uh, you know, and part, part of my journey with Southridge has very much affected that. What would you say at a practical level in experiencing our services has helped trigger that the most? Like, are there, are there parts of the service that are disproportionately, I hate to use the word, but like are working for you? Well, there, there's parts that are working and um, I'll tell you the, the parts that are maybe helping me the most are not the parts that I enjoy or that I, or that I like. And, and, and this might be even a little bit of push, uh, a little bit of push for you because this isn't this isn't real easy. But let me use an example. Uh, in the month or so leading up to Christmas, 
you you had a whole series and a number of guests come in and everything else on on sort of an inclusion time and really heightening the work on inclusion. Very important, except there was one theme that emerged several times in that in that series that sort of stuck in my throat. And you and I haven't talked about this yet, but this is probably as good a time as any. But during that series, the phrase police brutality got used uh, several weeks in a row. And gosh, you know, I, I understand why with all that's gone on. But, you know, just like the Leafs and the Oilers, several of the comments sort of had the Black Lives Matter lenses on. And there I sat as a newly invigorated police chaplain trying to... RCMP you know, chaplain. yeah, RCMP chaplain. And, and so, you know, that lends, you know, to my core. And so I would, I would wince every time the phrase was used, partly because I knew there was truth in it. And partly because I was hoping there wasn't some cop listening to that message who maybe had his little girl uh, who had somebody ask her at school that week whether her daddy had killed anybody that week, you know. And, and so those lenses were fighting within me the whole time. And, uh, you know, and, and you know me well enough to know that I don't think that great teaching is whether I always walk away and say, well, I agree with that. I think great teaching is when I walk away and I have to struggle with it. And so that's part of that's part of the value for me. I've had to wrestle with some of what you folks stand for as I interpret it in, a, in, in my world and, and what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just to affirm that, Tim, uh, you know, for Becky and I, our, our next door neighbors, uh, the, the husband is a police officer. And uh, I know that early in uh, the George Floyd incident. And since then, you know, we've had a lot of conversations with them because they engage a little more intermittently, but they engage with Southridge as well. And okay. so, you know, to, like you said, you're referring to the pre-Christmas, our hope lives series to talk about advocacy in ways that are also unifying. That was actually one of the mornings in the, in the series Talk about advocate, advocacy in ways that are also unifying is a whole nother level of complexity and frankly of maturity that I think all of us have have room to grow in. So uh, it's it's interesting though to, to hear you process that. You're right. We never talked about that knowing as an RCMP chaplain and now employee uh, who rubs shoulders with cops all day, every day, uh, how you're going to absorb some of that. I'm sure that that was challenging. Well, you, you, and you've just put your finger on it and, and, you know, we can, we can go down this road a little further if you want, but the, the real key, like I think popular wisdom says on um, back to this topic of lenses is that, man, I've got my lenses and I need to, you know, the, what was the old phrase? I need to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes, you know, and I need to, to get their lenses. You know, I think that's an intermediate step. The The ultimate goal for us is I don't just, just need my lenses or another person's lenses. I need to get close enough to Jesus that I actually am getting his lenses. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, oh, man, and that's, I mean, that's a lifetime pursuit, isn't it? And uh, I, otherwise, my attempt to become inclusive might be exclusive of someone else, some unintended, you know, byproduct of that is that I exclude yeah. someone that I never even thought of. Yeah, exactly. Um, you've talked about uh, your experience of tracking with Southridge. 
renewing hope for the church or, or hope in the church. Uh, can you talk about the ways that God's been actually encouraging you uh, through the pandemic and, and tracking with us as a community? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, but what, what, what gets to me the most in a, in a positive way is every time I see or hear any church, and you guys are right at the forefront of this, say, we, we're going to get creative. We're going to figure this out. Uh, we're, we're going to be Jesus people in every circumstance, whether it's a pandemic or whether, you know, the whole nation is just blossoming, blossoming, but just to, just to watch and see that and to, to see like Kelowna is still a pretty homogeneous unit, uh, homogeneous city. We're growing and we're, we're diversifying. But when I see uh, Southridge and I see the incredible diversity that is reflected there and sense the love that people have for one another. Uh, I see a church that has largely figured a lot of this out and is just on a really good trajectory. Yeah. And I mean, those listening know that those are huge growth steps for us these days and uh, significant growth steps that we've tried to take deliberately in our online service through the pandemic. So it's encouraging to hear an outsider uh, and their their perspective on what God's doing in that way. Um, so let's let's then wrap up with some some final thoughts and comments, uh, not just as a, a, a fellow pastor, but actually now that we, we understand this, as a, a participant of our experiences that has been tracking together with us now for some months. You're part of us in 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 some way, um, but with all of that veteran church leadership and all of that faith experience, whatever you, you've got experience perspective on a lot of churches over the years. What would your primary encouragement be to our people and to our leaders as you've been experiencing our ministry lately? Well, there, there'll be a couple. And, and the first would, would be to say to, you know, people hands-on at, at Southridge in all of your locations is don't take what you have for granted. Um, you know, a lot of times we can just assume that what we have is normal and natural. And I, I want to say to you with a, a pretty broad vantage point that I've had is that the Southridge experience is not the experience that everyone has with church. And so uh, it's precious. Uh, take it and steward it and, and wrap your arms around it. Uh, I would also say, you know, to, to those of you in, in leadership at Southridge, Jeff, and I mean, and you and I are are good friends and have been for a long time. And so you you know how deeply where this comes from in my own life. But so many of people that I highly respect in church leadership have sort of strayed off the path and crashed and burned in one way or another. And it's it's very, very hurtful, I think, to the church and to the kingdom of God. And so I, I would say to leadership and those that surround you, like hold each other true to the, to the course, you know, don't waver, don't, you know, don't take chances. The, the risks are just too great. And, uh, and God will bless you for it. Um, and uh, yeah, keep going. Well, no, I, I, I was going to go on, on one other thing. The, the example of Southridge too. So, you know, this isn't exactly the question that you're, you're asking me, but as I look ahead, so for our little group, you know, here in Kelowna, 
we got to figure out what long-term this means for us because I'm so convicted of the model of Southridge where every group uh, around you, every location has an anchor cause and you, you, you worship together, but there's an anchor cause. Uh, we can't just continue to track Southridge from a distance and be consumers. And so if we're going to do this long-term, it's not going to be long before our little group is going to have to really look each other in the eye and say, what's our anchor cause? Because uh, we're called to more than just to take in. Well, that was part of it to say, hey, you know, you're taking in what we refer to as the inspiration aspect through the primary program of our weekend services. And you've kind of created the connection aspect through your own modified primary program of a, of a small group. So now that third dimension for us is the primary program of an anchor cause. And, you know, is that in your future? That'll be, uh, that'll be pretty cool to see. Um, I was going to ask on the constructive side, again, because we get this one shot to, to talk to you with an outsider perspective. Um, from all of your experience, Tim, where would you say we could most improve? Well, you know, that's a tough, that's a tough question, Jeff, because after being in a position of leadership for so long, I really honestly try to discipline myself every week when we when I click on that button that I'm not coming as an evaluator or as a as a critic. I I don't want that hat on. And so I've I've really intentionally tried to take it off. Um, I think that I think that it's not so much an area that you can improve. I think one of the prices we pay during the pandemic is that there are a few uh, worship leaders slash musical performers. Uh, face it, it is just a little awkward and a little hard for to sing along. And I know you try, well, sing along. Here's You can download the, you know, the charts and you can play along. I bet you there's a very small percentage of people that actually do that. And so I would just look forward to really celebrating when the time comes when the whole congregation side by side can all worship in one voice and be together and everybody have their part rather than, you know, just a, a small group. So that, that's not a, that's not a criticism of it. it it's a price of the time. It's not yeah, a criticism. It's a, it's a concession. And it's a, uh, it, it's a concession. And one of the things I think that, that we would share philosophically or even uh, as a, as a ministry conviction is that, you know, this online experience is unapologetically an option B. There yes. is no, there, there was no part of me early in the pandemic and certainly no part of me today that imagines the future of the church, let alone the future of corporate gathering as happening primarily virtually or online. The church yeah. is too much the incarnation of Jesus and his work is too relational to 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 experience the most of it through a television screen and yeah. i know that you believe that and so I, I i hear that encouragement and and certainly i know those listening are enthusiastically anticipating when we can fully enjoy the 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 fullness of a of a corporate gathering again in person um tim as we wrap up you know knowing this unique perspective now that you have uh, not just as a, a friend of Southridge and a longtime pastor with a national perspective, but 
lately as a co-journeyer, as part of us. Um, are there any final encouragements or challenges that you'd want to throw our way? Uh, well, other just, you know, I haven't, I haven't asked for it, but I haven't got the jam yet. So you can send me a jam and uh, you're I not need the, I need the address. You're going to have three <laughs> flavors on your doorstep within a week. We'll take care of you. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm joking at that. I, I, I want to say this, uh, Arlene and I, and this has basically been my decision so far and our small group, uh, we are feeling the tension uh, of communion. And so far in the pandemic, I have not joined in virtually uh, in communion. And that's not because I think I can't. I think it's a great idea and we can, but I actually am feeling the expectancy uh, grow. And the first week that our small group can meet back again in person, because right now we're meeting by Zoom, the first week we're together in person again, we're going to have a communion service unlike anything that I've had in a long time. I'm anxious for it. I'm waiting for it. And I'm deliberately holding off because that's something I want to share in person. Very cool. Well, listen, thanks for connecting with us. Uh, it's super cool to think that uh, there are people spiritually tracking together uh, with us three time zones away. It's even cooler to wonder what this will become as you take some of those conversations and ask, you know, what is our anchor cause? What, how is this playing out in, in, in our part of the country? And uh, at a personal level, just a really cool next chapter to watch God blossom our friendship and our ministry partnership that he's been nurturing for years. So thanks, Tim, for joining us today. And uh, thanks to all of you again for tracking along with us. Uh, through this podcast format and we look forward to continue finding our way together again next week. Take care, everybody.